0: I think one of the more awkward conversations I've ever had about sex has to be something that happened when I wasn't really confident in what it was that I was doing. I think uh, the early conversations that you have when you're beginning sexual activity really make you uncomfortable. They are awkward. and I think that awkwardness just comes from an absence or lack of confidence, so I'm still trying to figure out exactly what the most awkward conversation was that I had because I know for a fact that my confidence in my sexuality is something that came more recently in adulthood. It wasn't anything there when I started first having sex or when I was in college. It was definitely after college. And I think that the confidence in the bedroom came as a result of more confidence in myself because I just began to be more confident collectively as a person before applying that confidence to anything else. So I want you guys to answer that question as well. Dating Positives, the sponsor of this podcast, also has that anonymous call line still up. Before, the question was what you were looking for romantically over the holiday season. And I thank everyone who participated in that. Let's get more of that with this question by calling 1-833-YAS-LOVE. That's 1-833-YAS-LOVE. And the phone number is 833 Seven five six eight three and leave your voicemail response to the question What is the most awkward conversation you've ever had about sex. And like I said, this is one that took a lot of thinking on my end. So if it's something you need to think about or write out, then feel free to uh, just message Dating Positives on Instagram, or you can tweet at them on Twitter or slide in their DM there as well. But be sure to also check out Dating Positives and go and check out their blog, Waxo. It's just W-A-X-O-H, where you can find additional resources on sexual health and wellness and the latest on lifestyle and culture. So again, that phone number is 833 833- Yes, love, and that's eight three three nine two seven five six eight three. I want to know what your most awkward conversation was about sex. So send those voicemails in, and we'll be able to play some of them on the podcast in upcoming episodes. Welcome to Something Positive for Positive People. I'm Courtney Brain. Something Positive for Positive People is a podcast featuring the experiences of those living with and or affected by sexually transmitted infections. Today's episode is very special because, um, as you know, or you may not know, um, the Hands Network was launched. This past Herpes Awareness Day October thirteenth, two 2018 uh, Started by Janelle Marie Pierce Of the STD Project Shout out to her And she brought a bunch of Herpes activists together In order to assist one another In uplifting each other's work In order to dismantle the stigma So hands itself stands for Herpes Activist Networking To Dismantle Stigma And today I'm here with One of the steering committee members Which I myself am a part of So yay me um, But I'm here with with Kellyanne. I wanted to give that intro and just let you guys know um, here where we are now in the podcast. It's really, really growing and I credit all of you for that, for contributing um, to liking the podcast, rating it, reviewing it, sharing it. All of those efforts have contributed to me connecting with people who are open about their STI status and willing to discuss that publicly on the podcast, which is something that is also helping tap into people's support networks. And I am going into more detail about that in future episodes, but I don't want to take too much away from our current guest today. So how are you doing today? Yay, I'm doing good. Real good. good. I'm so excited to be a part of this. It
1: was right when I had like actually acknowledged that I had herpes myself I was like oh I guess I could just type in herpes into the podcast thing and see what comes up and it was you know a place where I was like let me just find some support and yours was the very first podcast that really made me feel grounded in support and feel like
0: okay I'm not alone I appreciate that thank you you have herpes on your Instagram profile. So you haven't been open about it too long? I have
1: not been open about it very long. Um, I've had herpes for about four years. And I say that because I was in a relationship with the first person that I ever slept with for 30 years. And then after that, I was out on the town (laughs) trying to live the normal college life casual hookup scene. And it wasn't until I started experiencing some like weird symptoms that I went to a gynecologist. I scheduled an appointment with a man, a woman. It ended up being with a man who basically told me, yeah, it's probably herpes. At least it's not the one that's on your face that would be embarrassing and if you get a test you might not actually know if you have it because we get false negatives all the time you want a test (laughs) so it was one of those things that caused me to like go into like straight deep denial so i've had it for a long time i just haven't been looking at it for a long time and it was only recently when i was part of a um like a multi-level marketing coaching group that I was invited to share and it just kind of like spilled out of my mouth and I was like oh I guess this is something that I need to be talking about because it really registered with so many people that like wow that is something that's so brave to be talking about because so many people have it and so many people are affected by it that not enough people are actually out there saying, I have it and I'm alive.
0: I'm okay. And not only that, yeah. I'm a happy person. A lot of the people who have been on this podcast so far, as you probably know, have been, we've got a wide range of people. It started out as a lot of people who were really afraid of opening up about their status. It started out with people who, and I've interviewed people across the world from the UK, Australia, um, the Netherlands, Canada, England, and of course the United States. But in all of those interviews early on, I think everyone was so afraid of this being something that would expose them. And why do we feel like Someone finding out about our health status, our sexual health status specifically, is something that we have to feel exposed about. Oh, yeah. Girl, when I started on Instagram
1: coming out about it, I was like, oh, shit, is there going to be crossover into my Facebook where there is my mom following me, there is some of my mom's friends following me, some people from high school, my Instagram crowd and my Facebook crowd were very different. And once I kind of like exposed myself on Instagram, I was like, what does this mean? Am I actually ready to be this person who talks about a sexually transmitted infection that affects me all the time because that's kind of how it feels it's like once you you know once you are open about it how open do you want to be how wide does that door swing and i decided like you know if i want to incorporate my self-compassion practices specifically that i've learned because i have herpes and because i really needed to save my own ass you know i i wanted to incorporate that into coaching and i said if i'm gonna be actually helping people i've got to open the door all the way i can't you know i can't live a life that's halfway that's half in half out i'm like i told you when we started you know nothing is off the table for me. Everything is out in the open and I prefer to live that way because it's so much more freeing. And the problem with folks who have herpes is they feel like there's a part of themselves that cannot be free, that has to stay hidden, that has to stay locked up tight and for only certain specific conversations. And that sucks. That's a horrible way to live.
0: Yeah. And a lot of people will mistake that with keeping something private to themselves, it's like, well, everyone doesn't even know everything about me. And that that may be true. Like no one has to know you have herpes if you want to drill down really deeply into that. But the partners that you may have and the people that you may be putting at risk for contracting it as well. But I feel that it's a part of yourself that is essential to your own personal healing because while herpes is a physical condition, it has such a burden on your mind on the psychology um it has so much to do with you emotionally and these were all things that were completely unconscious to me until i sat in and until i sat with them until i began to see the people around me hurt dealing with the same things i didn't notice it and when i became aware like why is this person doing that why is this person doing that wait do i do that and then I began to check in with friends and they'd be like, Yo, you do these things that don't really make sense with the kind of person I know you to be. And after repeatedly <laughs> with close friends being like, I have herpes and getting the kind of feedback that I got, that energy really fueled me, it powered me, it empowered me to continue to be myself. And I felt like more free to just speak my mind around people and I didn't have to think, oh. What if they're going to find out? Are they going to expose me? Are they going to tell other people? And then when you really ask yourself all these questions and you dig deeper and deeper into what you're saying, you catch yourself at a point where it ultimately comes down to you caring about what other people think. And then you don't even know what other people are going to think because I'm sure you've experienced this as well. But when I opened up about it, no one judged me. Maybe some people unfollowed me on Facebook or something, but I don't have any way of knowing that I would have to like actively look for people to have done that or said anything bad. But over the last year or so that I've been doing this podcast... I've gotten no negative feedback. I've gotten nothing but support. Anytime people told other people, it was for the benefit of someone else. So there have been a couple of instances where friends of mine have friends who've been diagnosed with herpes and they came to them. So now as someone who's opened themselves up to being able to be there for people, it's allowed for people who may have before been very judgmental to be like, oh, you know, I know. Courtney, personally, he would probably be a good person to talk to about this because he has herpes. He's not an asshole. He's a good person or whatever it is that they say about me. And they've been directing people to the podcast and people have been able to come to me and have conversations. And there's not enough of that scene in order for people to feel comfortable with that. Exactly. I'm doing I'm doing the silent applause over here. I'm doing like the jazz hands. You know what? So when I'm you like, did that, I, yes. told, I thought you couldn't hear me anymore. So I just kept talking. And <laughs> oh that's funny i'm like all about the jazz hands i don't want to interrupt
1: you but i want you to know like whoa yes what you are saying i'm really resonating with it's really helpful to have somebody who knows somebody who's got it kind of thing because we can pretty much pick out at least one person that we know who has eczema right that's another skin condition The only difference is it wasn't transmitted by sex. And like, sex is such a taboo topic, even though it's something that everybody gets pleasure from. If you are a sexual person, you get pleasure from it. And that is the worst part, is that you can get something scary from something you enjoy so much. But knowing somebody who has it really gives that support, and empowers people to come out about their own things and be open about their own little dark, scary secrets. The thing that I've loved about being open about my herpes status is The same as you. I've been getting so many people who have even just said, I have HPV, or I used to have this, and it was really scary, and it was just the disease, so I got rid of it with, you know, some medications, and now it's gone, but even when I was experiencing it in that moment, I was freaked the heck out, so thank you for being somebody who's talking about this, because every time that we open our mouths and we're being true and we're being authentic and we're not trying to come up with tiny little lies to paint a picture of the perfect person that we want other people to see us as that we then have to keep up with later because we just we gotta catch up to our own lies you know like oh yeah i'm not going there because of this actually i have an outbreak and i'm really freaking itchy and i don't want to be there like you know every single time that we paint something that's not authentic to our true experience, it causes us to hide even more and to dig our heads deeper and bury ourselves in the sand. I mean, like I said, you know, after I found out about my status, I went so deep into denial. It's like it never happened. I just buried it completely because I thought if I'm not looking at it, It doesn't exist. Yeah. The the problem with that is it hurts you so much more. Like it hurt me so much more mentally and emotionally and spiritually than it ever did physically. It was torture. I was torturing my own self.
0: Yeah. What were some of those tortures that you went through?
1: Uh, Well, after I myself, the knowledge of my own status, I started to, um, I started to isolate. I started to really stick to myself and it affected every single area of my life, whether I realized it or not, because whenever somebody would make a joke that was related to herpes or STDs or anything having to do with the dirty, nasty side of sex, I sink deeper. And every time I was with somebody that I wanted to be physically intimate with, I had to say, am I itching right now? Is my lesion open? Am I going to have to deal with it? You know, like, am I about to be on my period when I know that this is when I get an outbreak? I would have to do the whole dance in my head. And every single question that I would ask was like a separator that added more and more space between myself and the people that I wanted to be intimate with. And it was also, um, it really did a lot of damage to my relationship with my sister and with my family because my mom is one of my best friends. I've, t- she's, she's been along for the ride. She's my ride or die, you know, like she's been along for the ride for every single thing that I've done. And for this, I didn't invite her. I didn't, I didn't invite anybody, anybody along for this ride. And especially my sister who is also like a best friend she was a sexual health education major <laughs> at the university that I went to, so whenever she would talk about things, I would be like, uh-huh, uh-huh, uh, and I would just, you know, like I said, every, every single time I would have to put out that tiny little lie to say like oh yeah i knew about that or oh yeah i'm not uh, oh yeah it would create another barrier between us yeah and finally by the time that i called her and i said i have something important to tell you and i just started sobbing and was sobbing and so and i like couldn't stop just to say the words i have herpes She was like, whatever it is, it's okay. I still love you. I'm still going to support you. And after I said it, because she was so much more educated than I was about the STI that I freaking had, she was like, oh, man, Kelly, I'm just so glad you didn't say you're pregnant. (laughs) Uh You know, like, that's what she had in mind was, like, the big, huge, life-changing thing that's permanent and forever and would cause me to break down like this. And it wasn't even the fact that I was experiencing physical symptoms, it's the stigma.
0: And once I recognized that the
1: stigma didn't have to have control over me, I started to tell more and more people about it and recognizing, like, I can free myself. I hold the keys to my own liberation just by telling people every time I meet them, well, yeah, I have heard these ands. And just like continuing the conversation, letting them deal with it and recognize that I can still be a confident and happy and fulfilled individual while also having herpes. I think that was like one of the most liberating things possible for me.
0: Mm -hmm. And so really just when you began to tell people is when you began to feel yourself become more liberated.
1: Oh, yeah. The first person that I told, um, I was working in Miami at a nonprofit called City Year. And so I was on a team with people who were like-minded individuals and were idealists. And we all have this like beautiful, wonderful vision of how the world should be and could be kind of thing. So we all developed like this really strange unique bond And one of those individuals is the least judgmental person I have ever met. Like she's been through the ringer, and every single one of her stories, I'm like, girl, how are you even still here after that? Like how, you're amazing that you have done so much and gone through so much. And it's like, it just rolls off. Like I'm gonna keep going. Like I'm still a person, like I'm still okay. So I just told her one day, because I was like, this is low risk. You know, this is, this is not, um, you know, a relationship that I've had for years and years where somebody from before might have judged me of like, oh, I thought Kelly was different than that. You know, but it was somebody who knew me as like this person who really, really wanted to change the world and make it better. And as soon as the words came out of my mouth, she was like, Wow. I'm so proud of you for saying that because I know just by starting here, you're going to do wonderful things. You're going to get even better. Every time that you say those words, you're going to make the world a better place. And I think saying I have herpes, those, you know, those three faded words to an individual with like zero judgment, zero tolerance. For judgment was just ripping myself out of
0: the sand and finally yes.
1: taking that yeah. first inhale of fresh air of like,
0: ah, oh, mm-hmm. I can breathe again. As you're talking, I'm like thinking of these comic and cartoon analogies. It's like when you had to tell all the lies, you had to lie in order to, you had to keep lying. And it was almost like each lie was like cutting off a head of a Hydra and it grows two heads back. So now you got to tame, you got to do something about two heads and then you cut one of those. Now it's three, you cut another one and it just continues to multiply until you're able to really get to the root of it. And I mean, shit, cut the heart out of it basically. And then in that, what you were just saying, um, uh, I believe, like, as we come into this world, as we walk it, we grow up, we're being projected on and we're absorbing everything we can from the world around us. And the world pretty much teaches us to protect yourself. It teaches us to create and build up this this tough armor. And then you finally hit a point where you run into a situation, a human, a person, an animal, a cause that... You become interested in, it and you realize that the armor doesn't fit you there, and then you become more indulged into that environment, and it's like, oh, okay, it's okay for me to take this shoulder pad off, this helmet. I can remove my knee pads, but I'm not gonna take off my boots. I'm gonna keep my boots on because uh-huh. it's safe. And then you get to a place where it's like, so safe, yeah, yeah, yes. And then in your case, you know being able to say i have herpes was the thing that made you go okay that's it i'm taking the boots off and now you're you're that freed you and you know i don't know what else you might be dealing with but it seems to me like whatever comes after that you are way more equipped to handle now that you don't have whatever it is that's coming up and having to hold on to not being quote unquote exposed for having herpes
1: well and it's not even being exposed it's not being perfect i think we all have this perfectionist agenda now that we're a society filled with individuals as opposed to a society that's based around a foundation of community we have this idea that we've have to put on the armor and we have to do things on our own and carry the weight and every time we take the weight off and we share it with somebody else that they are also carrying the burden but that's not how it works yeah that's you know once we unburden ourselves and we set it down like heavy luggage the other person gets to look at it and go wow I saw how much weight that just took off of you, and I see how big your luggage is. I'm so proud of you for getting rid of it. Now let's keep going. Now that you can move lighter and move freer and move faster and move, you know, now that you can continue on this journey
0: yeah.
1: without all of that luggage, it's not baggage that anybody else is burdened by. Mm-hmm because it frees them too. They recognize, wow, where have I been carrying some burdens? Where have I, what is my luggage that, you know, I I picked up at, you know, like some airport turd station and I just kept walking with it. I don't need it anymore. And I totally thought that I needed the burden of isolating myself with my knowledge of like, I have herpes, I have herpes, I have herpes, don't tell anybody, nobody can know, nobody can know, I thought that the burden of carrying all of that luggage was like you said, it was like an armor, it was like protecting me, because then nobody else could see that I was not perfect in one way or another, but that's another role that social media plays in this this new community that we've founded not only do we have micro communities on social media but social media is also the vacuum in which we see perfectionism at its best you know we see that playing out all the time of like don't follow the people who always are posting the perfect photos of their perfect bodies and their perfect lives and their perfect food and their perfect dogs and boyfriends and whatever, don't buy into that because once you actually find your community, you will see that you can be happy and you can be filled with joy in a community surrounded by others with imperfections. Yeah. And That's one of the things that I love about you know having been reached out to by Janelle and being a part of hands because now we have not only this community of herpes support, now we have people who are talking about herpes and are making it their lives, their daily lives to you know express the stigma is the worst possible part of having herpes. And guess what? So many freaking people have herpes and we're just walking around without the knowledge that we have herpes.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: It's, it's so nice to actually have a community to recognize like, we don't have to be perfect to be awesome.
0: Like, <laughs> No. And I'm sure it's been that difficult for each of us individually prior to meeting each other as far as feeling like, man, I'm the only person doing this. And we get to a place where it's like we'll see this, we get a message here and there or someone reaches out and is like, I'm so glad you're doing this. And looking like if so many people have herpes, why is it that there's only one, two, three people that are able to find this or tell me that they have it? It's awesome to be able to come together as a community of people who Look differently, live in different places, have their own angle of doing whatever it is that they're contributing to the community. And then also still doing whatever our own projects are, but being able to really uplift something that is able to get more exposure <laughs> and just being able to be there. I think the hands is one of those things where it's like having a team able to really just amplify the individual efforts of those who are a part of it
1: and like going into it uh you know putting herpes the word herpes in my instagram bio for the first time i was like okay here i go i'm going to become the face of herpes and after meeting so many other people who are willing to be the face and the chest and the arms and the legs and the hands of herpes, you know, it really does amplify the the power of the individual message, which is that herpes ain't as bad as it looks, it ain't as bad as it sounds, and the fact that we're all so miseducated and undereducated about sexual health and not only that, but just the fact that like sex is a normal thing and we don't have to avoid talking about it because there are so many possible no-nos that could come along with it. You know, that has really um, amplified our work.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And (laughs) speaking of no-nos, I think this is a good segue (laughs) into that thing that I told you I wanted to talk about earlier, but over my birthday, November 10th, I just turned 30 and Prior to that there was an incident so the only negative experience that I've had with herpes just so happened to come up around this time of year. I was on something. I think I was just posting on Facebook and someone brought to my attention an Instagram account where someone made a reference to a rapper who has herpes and his girlfriend and I have one real trigger that I'm aware of that sends me into an emotional rage, and it's when people bully defenseless people. In that, I saw not only an attack on women, but also an attack on women who may have herpes. I saw an attack on men who may have herpes, who decide to open up and be vulnerable about it. And I'm not going to name who this person was. Like, I'm at a place now where I've dealt with it. I've taken a week or so to deal with that as well. But I caught myself getting really enraged by not only the words, because I understand you're a comedian, you're a comic, you have an audience to please. I was more frustrated by the comments that other people were saying because this person is an influencer, and I use air quotes when I say that, who has hundreds of thousands of followers, and this is what they're saying. They're talking down on a man who is being open and honest and living his truth and has put it out there, hey, I have herpes, and this is what it meant to me. And that whole part went ignored because it was just like he just made fun of him in a way that wasn't truthful in a way that just perpetuated stigma in the comments you see people who touch on the herpes who obviously don't know what they're talking about so i got sucked into that of course and i go down and i was just like hey man to the comments that's not how this works and there weren't many comments but that I went through there weren't many that I went through let's say that but the few that I did see I was like that's not how that works one person asked well how does it work so I was able to just kindly explain to them in the post in the message and I explained it to them and people who saw that sent me a message and were like oh my god thank you and told me how much of an asshole that dude was and how they unfollowed him which was Awesome. (laughs) But I caught myself in that rage afterwards at how easily influenced these people were to buying into the stigma. So for every Courtney, for every Janelle, for every Kellyanne that's out there, we've got so many more people who are taking our our one step forward and sending us two steps back by making these kinds of comments and just completely being unaware of what they're doing. So in a rage, I found myself feeling and acting in a way that is not me. And it's not a good representation of my character. It's not a good representation of what I'm doing. So I had to sit with that for a while. And over the weekend that I chose to sit with that, that just so happened to be the same time that you were dealing with something as well. So I haven't talked about this and I think I'm at a place now where I'm really ready to. Um, So when I was 13 years old, my, my father's mother, my grandmother passed away and her funeral was on my... 13th birthday and so as a kid i have all these negative emotions and associations it's like my birthday is supposed to be like a happy time you know and all this good stuff supposed to be happening like there's supposed to be gifts cake people coming together we're supposed to play and we're up early i gotta wear this tie we're going to a funeral i'm looking in the casket and the woman had, like i thought this was a joke for a while because i looked in the casket and it didn't look like my grandma's like where's she at y'all y'all playing later on in that day and I, I can remember this day so vividly now that i sat with it i remember that the, the cake was brought out and happy birthday was saying and it just made me like this is not what happy birthdays feel like <laughs> because like every it was I fake just wanna, i just want to point out that courtney's looking like he's uh, in like the fetal position right now <laughs> like curled up like i can't i need to just rock back and forth Deal with this. Exactly. Exactly. And that's that's really how it felt. And, you know, it was for a while, you know, I thought, oh, I was just a kid and it was supposed to be about my birthday. So I'll, I'll just let that go. Because every year I notice that I get weird around my birthday. And, and when that most recent event happened... I was like, okay, I'm about to be 30. I can't continue to allow this to happen. So what I did for about a week, I took a break from social media, Instagram. I deleted my Facebook, Twitter, and just spent time with family. I spent a lot of time with my partner. And I spent a lot of time talking to relatives and family members uh, about that day. And one of the things that came up with my dad was he didn't even, like, remember that that was the day. And so, like, I'm holding on to these emotions that have been absorbed uh, from Something that, you know, a lot of people don't even remember, but while they may not remember the specific timing and everything, I remembered the feeling and I held on to that without addressing it for so many years. And and I think the first time that I recognized it was a couple of years ago when I lived in Houston and nothing happened. I didn't do anything until this year where I took that social media break. And I began to just talk about my, my grandmother to my mom, my dad. I even talked to uh, her, her ex-husband, my my da- dad's father, because she had gone on and remarried. And I learned a lot of things about my grandmother. I learned about her as a person, her character, and saw just what the connection was between us. Even though I was only 13, but like I got to see her role in my life before I was born and then after I was born and just see some of the gifts that she passed down to me just through those conversations. And the reason I say that is because I think this whole journey of opening up about having herpes has brought me into the field of emotional health, mental health, and spiritual health. And I feel like as I went through the process of healing myself, I began to become a better healer. I'm a better listener. And now that I'm aware of the kinds of things that my grandmother went through, I have that to draw back on whenever I'm talking to someone who may be able to relate to that. Like I feel my perspective is expanding and it has expanded as a result of having those very challenging conversations and visiting what I believe to be the most traumatic experience of my childhood. I have never talked to a therapist about it, but at this point, after after having gone through it and after having had so many conversations and I sat and journaled what my emotions were, how I felt, what I was doing, and at the end of it, I'm okay and I'm at a place now where I can share that and I felt compelled to because of the conversation that you and I had about that same time of year and how it affected you. So. I've shared before we move on to your side. Do you have anything that you want to say about what I just said?
1: I am so proud of you and happy for you in going
0: into that on your own and recognizing, like, this isn't
1: something that I need to keep experiencing. We all have this sense of victimhood over something in our lives and sometimes we hold on to it because that story gives us power to stay in our feelings and it's uh, it's something that we actually enjoy living and reliving again because it's comforting and it's comfortable to do things that we expect you know when you expect that your birthday is coming up and you're going to feel those feelings again it's so much more comfortable for you and that is so amazing that you were like i'm gonna be a little extra uncomfortable this year so i can go into it because the only way i'm gonna get out is if i actually approach it and step in all the way and that's how i feel like you know finding out that you have herpes is too it's like You can look at it from a distance and you can tell yourself the story of I'm a victim to this, this affects me in a negative way. And it's only when you step all the way in and you're like, let me actually understand why I'm here and how this serves me and what lessons I have to learn from this are we able to see the other side, you know, like you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel until you step into the tunnel and you start walking.
0: Yep. So that's amazing that you, that you did that for yourself because I'm sure that was a really healing experience. I've started this podcast for people who may have been contemplating suicide after a diagnosis. So I've always felt like I had to be there And so whenever I get a message, I have to see it, respond to it right away. Or whenever someone email, no one emails me. It's always been messages. I just always felt like I needed to be there. And in any of the support groups that I'm involved with, I always felt like I needed to give them the answer that I know they're not going to get from other people. So over that week, I also had to battle with that. Like I struggled with out of compulsion, just wanting to grab my cell phone and just Lock in for a little bit and help as many people as I could and then go back to not being in that. So that was the hardest part was breaking the habit that I had of getting in Riding there to avoid
1: your own healing. There by you go. Healing
0: That's exactly what it was. But in doing that, in healing others, I became aware of how beneficial it might be for me to heal myself. <laughs> it goes together, it's very connected, healing the word itself isn't specific without context to am i healing someone is a healing taking place am i healing or am i being healed so i'll look at the word itself as just a happening so to speak and the more involved you get in that the more you can direct it towards the cause the people yourself uh wherever it needs to go so When that became the priority, the healing became the priority, I felt after I came out of that, I was able to do so much more. And it's coming out with the most recent podcast recording. So you guys won't hear the difference. (laughs) You won't have heard the difference uh, until you've been listening to a few of the episodes that have been newly recorded. But I came out of it with just like this, this liberated. (laughs) Now I have more control Over my emotions and I believe that I can look at things more empathetically and more objectively at the same time and say, okay, this is what's in the best decision of the whole and not allow my ego or my past experiences and emotions to get in the way of doing what the most right decision is for the healing itself. (sighs) That's probably like I I never really get to talk about myself. So when I do, I get carried away. (laughs) People who
1: that's, uh, I don't know if you know about, uh, archetypes, about, uh, yeah.
0: like sacred contracts. Oh, uh, sacred contracts. I've sacred heard of con- covert yeah. contracts, but I don't think we're talking about the same context at all.
1: Okay. Yeah. I mean, our, so archetypes are kind of like the roles that we
0: play throughout our entire lives that maybe we're not aware of. I do know what you're talking about now. Okay. Yeah. And uh,
1: I feel like um, in my house of relationships, I'm an intuitive healer. So people can also feel that. And they're the ones who are like, I'm just I'm one of those people where it's like, I get people talking and all of a sudden, like every single, I'm the one who helps other people in burden. And that's probably why I was the one who was like, I'm just going to hold on to all of mine because I'm the one who receives the sharing, not the one who gives the sharing. Mm -hmm. So I can totally see how, you know, we can get caught up in this idea that we need to continue staying busy, like helping others and helping others in their healing. And that is going to heal us. Whereas sometimes we need to like give all of it a break and recognize the only person that I have control over is me. The only person who I am capable of changing is me. me. So I'm going to be the one to do the work for me. And that way, when I come back, I'm going to be stronger. I'm going to be liberated. I'm going to have learned so many more things that were waiting for me to open them up and actually flip through the pages and learn those lessons. You know, every single, you know, poo-poo thing that we go through that we don't actually pay attention to is a lesson waiting to be learned. So you learned your lesson and you, you actually finished, you passed your test. Yeah. And now you're like, whoa, I can go on to the
0: next level. Like, I can level up now. Feels yeah. good, doesn't it? It does. It does feel like a, an evolution occurred. You know, through that liberation, there's been an evolution. And I, I don't want to be like, oh, I feel more myself than ever before. But I think that I feel more of a constant state of... I I can deal with things a lot easier and a lot sooner and way more efficient. So when triggers come up or emotional triggers come up from past traumas or childhood or anything like that, I'm able to see it for what it is immediately. And it just happens a little bit faster. I go into it. Obviously, we all get emotionally triggered, but I look at it like I have a rubber band on my wrist and I just snap it and I'm out of it. Like the having the rubber band is just a tool for recognition of a trigger and once you get the feeling of it you snap it and it's like okay back to reality here's what i need to do with that yeah it kind of takes
1: you back to the present moment exactly
0: like, i don't need to be but that's where a lot of my anxiety came from was in living in the future moments <laughs> and all of my
1: concerns I had to learn that lesson of like, no, I'm going to stay here in the present moment and I'm not going to travel back to the past. I'm not going to travel to the future. I'm not going to do any time traveling. (laughs) I'm just going to live now because that is going to relieve me of all of my concerns.
0: Are you familiar with Eckhart Tolle?
1: A little bit, yes. It's come up so many times. I'm like, I need to just start. I need to look
0: into this. Well, I've I've been following some of his work. He has written a book called The Power of Now. It talks about how a lot of our suffering comes from worrying about the past and the future. Whereas now, everything is fine. If you sit still, close your eyes, what's happening? you're sitting still you're closing your eyes whereas when you're not present and not in the moment not in the now you can have such anxiety about what needs to be done And you can have anxiety about what has been done and how it's going to affect. Anyway, I was just curious because you mentioned the past and the future. And if you haven't already, you should definitely check that out. It's It's on my
1: list, Okay.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I did all this talking about me and we got to take it back to you. So that weekend for you, which which gave me more awareness of, oh, wow, Courtney, you're not the only person who is dealing with something like this. You want to talk about that?
1: Yeah, so speaking of living in the past, um, I have a, so I have a younger sister, and I had an older half-brother. He is the son of my dad from a previous marriage, and he is about 10 years older than me, so we didn't, connect all that much but every single time we did it was like i could feel that unconditional brotherly love of like he really believes in me and he's really there for me and really wanted to uh, do the best that he could however he was really burdened himself by uh, manic depression by by bipolarism And what that created for him was a dependence on drugs to try and not live in the present moment, try and not even live in this world, in this physical reality. He was always talking about, um, what is it called? Lucid dreaming. He thought that in his dreams, he could live in the the actual real world he could escape the matrix and he could be a part of something that he's meant to be a part of and it was after his mom um passed away in a car accident and he was visiting one day that i came inside after listening to him and just started crying on the couch and my mom came over and was like what's wrong and i was like we're gonna lose him gonna lose him he's really not even here anymore she was like what do you mean I just knew that he was going to take his life and so that is what happened about a year later on 11-11-2010 and I always think like what would have happened if we had had that one extra year and he had actually done it 11-11-11 and he had You know, if he had stuck it out for another 12 months, what life would have looked like and felt like. Um, But he took his life and it was earth shattering. It was devastating for my dad, who is one of those people who just is very private and doesn't talk about emotions at all unless there is alcohol involved and seeing his reaction that day was probably the most triggering and the most scarring and the most traumatizing because watching a parent react to their first born child knowing that they're gone and that it's real is extremely painful and so it's been eight years now since that event and i've processed all of the grief emotions and you know took a day in my car after getting home from work just thinking about him and sat in my car and just screamed at the top of my lungs just as much as i could until i didn't have any voice anymore And had to take a nap. Literally, I I like yelled so much by myself that it exhausted me, and I like had to take a nap in my car. Uh, So I experienced all of those emotions. And now that it's been eight years, when eleven eleven comes around again, I always do my time traveling. I think about the past. I wonder, just like I wonder about my aunt who got thyroid cancer and died very quickly somebody i was also um close to but not as close as i wish i could have been you always wonder what if what could have happened if and this time around i just knew like i was either going to be i'm not like a meditator i do it for like maybe five to twenty minutes max like that's the best that i can do sometimes but i was like i feel like i either need to be alone and meditate all day this time or i need to be with people all day and not think about it this time and like not have anything that could you know anything that i can do to distract myself and i didn't realize it was like a big eleven eleven where it's 2018 and those numbers add up to 11 as well so it was like the universe was literally like hey, by the way, you have some extra healing to do. And like you said, you know, sometimes when you're talking about healing, you're not sure who's doing the healing or where it's coming from or even at what point it starts and at what point it ends. But um, I recently started going to um, a chiropractor who does upper cervical care, which means instead of like (laughs) like cracking, your whole spine and your whole, you know, your hips and everything. He will only uh, readjust the top two um, cervix in your spine, which basically are the cervices that put pressure on your brainstem. And your brainstem is where all of life flows from. So normally that's, wow, and this is like really even Pull it tying into the the suicide part because um you know when people shoot themselves and they put a gun in their mouth they're aiming for that place in the back right where the brainstem is because that is the only thing that cannot be transplanted that is the only thing that is a life force energy that either it's on or it's off and when it's um, usually like when we come uh, out of the birth canal uh, now with like modern uh, you know birthing practices babies necks get twisted like as soon as they come out boop they're misaligned and that top bone in their neck is k- twisted so that it's putting pressure in a place where life force cannot flow to one half of their body So that's why we end up with like cancers that's why we end up with a bunch of different things and i'm not even going to go into it because i'm not the expert on this but basically my upper cervical doctor gives a lot of lectures and in one of the lectures he was saying for as many years as you have been misaligned so typically from birth for most people that's the amount of months that you have to basically travel back in your healing journey so i got adjusted uh eight months ago and that's how many years it's been since my brother took his life so literally on 11 11 the month and the day that my brother took his life i was re-experiencing because of the healing process that's taking part inside of me (laughs) that i'm not even fully aware of it was like all connected it was all aligned that it was like oh, yeah, by the way, you're at your eight months. Guess what happened to you eight years ago? You're really going to have to go through it this time, Kelly. Like, you're really going to have to sit with it, and you're going to have to deal with it. So it was really excellent that I had friends who were willing to be there for me. And, again, it's I like how you say, you know, uh, exposure is not the word that you're looking for. I think it would be great to replace it with, liberation because I didn't just expose that my brother took his life and that I needed help. I didn't just expose that to my friends. I liberated myself from the anxiety inducing, the depression inducing, the actual like really deep dark, dark night of the soul kind of healing that would have taken place on that day and instead i chose to be in the light side i chose to be in the light part of healing and having discussions with people about it that didn't make me collapse again and make me collapse onto myself so it was like a really really major day and it was so interesting that we were both like yeah we can't talk this weekend it's kind of a big weekend (laughs) so and now we've like been through our own healing experiences, but they both relate so much to the experience of finding out that your herpes positive because at first the information doesn't even seem real. You're like, are you sure? Like is this e-? like you were saying, like you're looking into the casket and you're like, are you playing a trick on me? And you know it was like seeing uh, here like being on the phone while seeing like a cop car sitting outside of my house, like prepared for somebody to come home so that they could let them know, hey, you know, your son has died, basically your brother has died. Being on the phone with somebody and watching the cop car leave at the same time, being like, is this real? Is he really gone? Like, is this really a thing? Sitting in the gynecologist's office, him telling me like, at least it's not on your face. I'm like, is this real? Is <laughs> is this how healing happens is this where healing starts mm-hmm. like this is the beginning of like a really really intense strange dirty
0: yeah i know how well i don't know how challenging it is for you now to talk about it after having through the healing and healing is an ongoing thing so it just may not be as intense as it was on november 11th but i appreciate you and want to express my gratitude to you for sharing that for however many people are going to hear this and just allowing this to be something that connects us on a much more deeper level outside of what brought us together which is just tested positive for herpes or the fact that we're interested in the information that is provided on something positive for positive people. Yeah, that was big and I appreciate it. Is there anything else that uh, you want to leave us with? I know we want to have space to talk about V for Vibrant. I
1: would just say it really sounds because I have healed so much around it and because i think you and i are very positive
0: people in more ways than one
1: <laughs> 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 um, you know, it, i think you and i have like the ability to to laugh through things and i feel like i gave that story with like a smile on my face the majority of the time and probably you could hear that in my voice and i just want Anybody who's listening to realize that doesn't mean that it doesn't still hurt. Sometimes that doesn't mean that it's not still hard. That doesn't mean that it's not serious because all of the things that we've talked about are really (laughs) serious. It more means that we choose the reality that we live in and I would rather live in a reality where I can laugh to keep from crying, (laughs) then be crying about it and have that be the pattern and the thing that I'm comfortable living in and the story and the victimization that I'm comfortable living in my whole life. And I'm guessing in your archetypes somewhere, you're probably like a divine child like I am where it's like people see you as somebody who's just lighthearted and
0: silly and is able able to like make a joke out of anything we need more you's in the world to realize that they are a you in the world I hope I said that right <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, yeah. I, I just hope that there's people who own their uniqueness yeah when everyone is able to live in their truth I believe that we have a more efficient way of living through living and navigating through society in a space where people are liberated to be themselves, in a space where people are able to express themselves fully, of course, as long as those expressions don't impose on another person's rights or property, of course, then we should be free to be in that place. And I view our being, I view this podcast as one of the catalysts to allow for that kind of evolution to take place. So as people can come through here and relate to somebody and just be like, you know what, here's my truth. Because once you get to a place where you're like, I have herpes, and you make it through that, statement and you begin to live through your own experience with it and see what that means for you it's like okay now what Oh, you know, I probably should work out. I don't like these things. And it it makes every challenge a little bit more easy once you face one. And it's like a a muscle that you're exercising. So dropping the H-bomb, saying I have herpes repeatedly is like lifting a fuck ton of weight and then having to recover from it a little bit. And your muscles grow. And then the more you use them, the more defined they are, the more useful they are. And you can continue to apply that to other areas of life. I'm encouraging people to exercise that truth muscle. It doesn't have to be about herpes, but it may even be something else is going on in your life that you may not 100% be aware of that you're dealing with, but just practice it. Practice having difficult conversations. Practice being open and honest with the people around you that you can trust and really just tap into your support system. You know, I had to do it about my, mom, my grandmother's passing and dealing with her funeral on my birthday, and Kellyanne just had to do it with the suicide of her half-brother, and people underestimate the power of a strong support system. How can people find you? They can find me on Instagram,
1: V underscore, four underscore vibrant, well, underscore vibrant, um, and I also have a, um, a website now that I'm really proud of because I've been working a long time on figuring out how I want to show up in the world as not only a herpes activist but also as a coach who recognizes that having compassion for yourself and feeling worthy of love as opposed to worthy of the pain that we feel like we deserve sometimes we feel like the pain that we receive we're like ah I did something in the past to deserve this like I'm totally just going to sit with it you know it really helped me to own my worthiness and recognize that compassion is seeing suffering and wanting to do something about it and once I recognized my own suffering I wanted to do something about it so I'm really proud of the website um it's v dot vibrantcom
0: and it really helped me i hope you don't hear my dog breaking it, it's fine. somebody's home. um but it's something that
1: i started because i have this power for letting other people speak their truth and helping them find creative solutions for um Getting themselves out of their own suffering and getting themselves out of their own heads and their own emotional trauma with lots of beautiful spiritual tactics and self-love practices. So if you would like to connect with me in that space, that would be amazing. But otherwise, usually the Insta-Ham is the best place to find me.
0: Thank you so much. This concludes this episode of Something Positive for Positive People featuring Kellyanne, who is on Instagram as V underscore four underscore vibrant. If you like this episode, please leave us a rating and a review on whatever podcast platform you are listening on. Be sure to share this podcast with someone who you believe may find it useful. I am always looking for guests. If this episode resonates with you and you feel like you are ready to open up about your personal experience and join the podcast, then feel free to reach out. I'm on Instagram, Twitter, Tumblr, and Reddit at H on my chest. Till next time, stay positive.